You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Thank you to Carolyn there, and I'm so pleased you asked what robo-advisory was, because I was very curious on that one. Anyway, we're joined by Barry in the studio today. We're really getting our money's worth from you, Barry. Now, Barry's actually on his first visit to Asia after a number of years. I think four years, Barry? Yes, sir. So it says he is happy to discuss what changes he is seeing around the region from the perspective of a fresh set of American eyes. So welcome back, Barry. And um, let's start with the first question. What were the most striking changes you've observed from your visit after four years? Well, first of all, if you look at uh, Asia Pacific from the top, let's start with Japan. Japan is doing very well. And the perception in the States and elsewhere is that Japan has been in this funk for 30 years. That's true. Mm. But the Japanese people are living very well, having just spent a year, a, a year, a week there. And that is a big surprise. Yes, they're pressed on inflation. They have an inflation rate approaching 4%. So incomes are not rising. So it's not as if the Japanese are, are rising in terms of their prosperity, but they're living very well. That's first. The second is, Look at South Korea. They, too, are doing very well. And the real change there is South Korea and Japan have been disliking each other for such a long time, particularly the South Koreans versus the Japanese. And yet there have been moves in the last few months to really rectify or improve their bilateral relations. The Americans are very big on promoting that. Then you go to Taiwan. I should really keep my mouth shut because I've never been there, but I'm going there from here. And then look at mainland China. Everybody knows that mainland China is the fastest growing economy in recent decades in the history of the world in terms of the advance of living standards and the improvement in the lives of people. Look at Hong Kong. I don't need to talk about the changes that every listener knows about. Then if you go down to those smaller countries, the Philippines, Indonesia, around the bend to Singapore, etc., they're all doing very well. The message that I detect, Stephen, people just want to get on with their lives. Hmm. And they're doing well. Trade is very important. You know, we talk about the difference between the United States and China on a whole host of political issues. And yet, I'll bet listeners will be surprised to know the reality is United States Chinese trade in 2022 was at a record high volume. Interesting. So the Americans and the Chinese can complain all they want about mm. each other's policies. The trade relationship has not been negatively affected. I was very interested in what you were talking about Japan there, Barry. You said they're living well, but their real salaries are going down. What's their secret for living well? Well, look... Visitors to Japan from Hong Kong and listeners who have just spent time in Japan know this is a very disciplined society. Correct. This is a society where you play by the rules. So they take that. But the real optimism is reflected in the stock market. I mean, prices mm. have gone up. Stuart Allcraft likes to say, well, the prices haven't returned to the level pre Japanese 
hiatus, which is all the way back to the 1980s. But they're coming out on the other side of that. So I don't know if that really answers your question. But yes, the people see hope for the future. Mm. That's why they can absorb mild distress in terms of perhaps not having as much money as they wanted or expected. That's really interesting. So they're kind of creating a positive environment based on the hope for the future, rather than kind of getting down by what's, you know, what they might be thinking in the present, which is the reduction in their real wages. So um, possibly a cultural impact, but a, a great way to think of things. So it sounds like on the countries you visit, you mentioned quite big changes in Japan, quite big changes or very big changes in China. What country would you call out as having gone through the biggest transition in your eyes in the last four years and why? Well, if I could amend your statement, Stephen, to say not four years, but say 10, it's China. Okay. It's clearly China. China was a very poor country. The World Bank likes to talk about these things. When you have half a million people, half a billion people who's had their living standards go up so much that they've gone from poverty to almost middle class, that's extraordinary. Well, you see it here with the tourism. The Chinese have got tremendous trade and financial surpluses. China is the rising power. And economically, just look at the infrastructure that's been built in China. So I don't think there's any doubt. And by the way, that's why the Japanese, in terms of security policy, have been very worried about China, because they see the military buildup. They see that their population in Japan is far smaller. They can't really compete with a big China. So they've made their peace in terms of strengthening their security relationship with the United States and hopefully with South Korea. But China is the biggest trade partner for Japan. So it's not as if there's tension that overwhelms everything. People are just getting on with their lives. Hmm, interesting. Now, I know a big issue for Japan has been their aging population and also their uh, kind of opposition to immigration. Are you seeing any changes in that? Yes, I am, but modest ones. Mm. First of all, I've come to believe that the Americans and others have no business telling the Japanese what they should be doing in terms of immigration. You know, UK, United States, we're immigration countries. And in terms of population decline, they're losing the equivalent of almost a small city every year. Mm. Just goes away. I'm not worried about this, and I'm not a Japan expert, I hasten to say, because the Japanese are automating their way out of it. The change in automation in terms of checkout, the Chinese have been way ahead in terms of financial payments, using their phones and a QR code to pay for everything. But the Japanese now, when you go into 7-Eleven, and most people are aware that 7-Eleven may have an American name, but it's a Japanese company. Uh, it's all automated, and they're, going, and they're automating in terms of stocking shelves. So I don't think that the population decline or the lack of immigration is going to really upset the Japanese economy. They're going to cope with this. Thank you, Barry. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. That's Barry Wood, RTHK's economic correspondent.